Hey guys, what's up, Zerk? Wipe yourself off, man. You're dead. Hey everyone, it's Joe. This is the LAPD, one of the most hated cops in all the free world. My mom is ashamed of me. She tells everybody I'm a drug dealer. Detective James Carter loved his job until he got a partner. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Now, the fastest hands in the East Do it again. team up with the biggest mouth in the West. Which one of y'all kick me? Jackie Chan. Bitch boy. Chris Tucker. Don't ever touch a black man's radio, boy. Rush Hour, rated PG-13. You're listening to Worth a Late Fee, the podcast where two former video rental clerks watch movies that they may have recommended at one time to see if they still think the film would be worth keeping an extra day or two to watch again, even if it meant paying a late fee. How you doing, Joe? Not too bad, Eric. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Um, you know, still craziness and staying home and not seeing anyone and whatever, but it seems like at least we're making progress, so yep. hopefully that continues. Thankfully, though... Not that like sound like the generic, you know, weather guy, but this week weather wise is looking really promising. So if I was yeah, to get, if, if I was to get some sunlight and some uh exposure to the real world, this is the week to do it. Yeah, it is it is nice. It, it's although although I think it's tomorrow. Tomorrow's supposed to be a little too hot for me. It's supposed to be close to ninety tomorrow. But yeah, it is nice. We I I judge this whole thing on my mom. My mom's a nurse. She but more important than that, my whole life, she's told me not to worry about stuff like injuries, whatever. I remember when I was a kid, I would like break my, I broke my toe a couple of times and she'd be like, there's nothing I can do for a broken toe. So just walk it off. So my mother like kind of diminishes everything. Right. And then when this whole thing started, she was a little bit creeped out. So I was like, okay, I'm, I'm, taking this seriously. And so I texted my mom the other day and I was like, you know, how are things going at the hospital? Is it, at least trending in the right direction. And she said that things were trending in the right direction. Obviously she's worried about the the rebound if everyone takes it too lightly. But I asked her, I was like, do you think it'd be okay if I like went over like Scotty and Adams had a barbecue and she's like, eh, if you, I mean, if you stay outside and you know, whatever, and there's not a million people there, it's probably okay. And I was like, all right, my mom's, my mom's a little bit more comfortable than she was a couple weeks ago. So that's good. But yeah. Yeah. You watch anything good on TV or Netflix or? I was going to bring that up. So I've been talking about like, you know, these two shows I've watched, trying and never have, never have I ever. But this week, all accidental. All right. Accidental. It wasn't planned. I watched this movie, getting ready for this podcast, like last week or middle of, middle of last week. But on, was it yesterday? Oh, uh, no. I think it was, when did I text you yesterday? It was, it was yesterday and it was also on the day before, two or two days ago, or three days ago or something. Because I saw it the day, one or two days before you told me. Yeah. Yeah. So they played Rush Hour on TBS and they played Rush Hour 2 after that and then Rush Hour 3. So I spent my day watching Rush Hour. Spoiler alert. Today's <laughs> episode is, is Rush Hour. You already heard the trailer if you're listening to this. But um, yeah, no, it's it's. It's it is one of those movies. You said when you picked it, or when we talked after the episode, it's always on TBS or TNT or something like that. So, good luck. But um, I've been watching Bree and I, well, I shouldn't say I've been watching. Bree and I watched a few episodes the other day of um, Coffee and Cars with Comedians or something like that. That Jerry Seinfeld um, show, and it's pretty good. To, as long as you get an interesting guest and everything like that, it's pretty good. The one thing that I will say is. 
you can tell that Jerry Seinfeld really is from or spent a lot of time in New York City because as someone who didn't or hasn't spent a lot of time in New York City, driving in New York City stresses me out. And I, I mean, I drive in Boston all the time. It doesn't bother me. But um, he'll be driving these cars that are worth more than my house. And he's like swerving in and out of traffic, holding a conversation go on. And But it's pretty cool. Like I watched the Aziz Ansari episode. Um, when else did we watch? Oh, the Ricky Gervais episode. A few of them. And it's, if, it, if it's a good, interesting person, it's, it's a fun little watch. Each episode's like 15, 20 minutes. So. That's what I was going to say. It's nice and short. It's like they're easy watches and they're really relaxing too. It's, it's like yeah. it's just a fun, relaxing time. Right. Yeah. So that's been fun. But we want to talk about what we're going to be watching today. Let's do it. So if you haven't already guessed it, <laughs> it's going to be Rush Hour. Um, so the reason why I picked it is because, oh, actually, Eric, before I start, beer. Want, want to uh, yeah. spell out the beer? Yeah. So normally I, I try to find a beer that's, um, I can like kind of tie into the film, but this is, it's, it's gotta be a beer that I'm interested in and I want to drink. There was a few episodes where I just picked a beer that I was, it was like a good tie into the movie, but it didn't look that good. And sometimes it ended up being okay, but sometimes it didn't, but now I'm trying to be a little bit more picky. And I went to my favorite beer place uh, a couple of days ago, craft beer cellar in Amesbury, Mass. And I didn't really see anything that jumped out to me that I could tie into rush hour. I did buy some other beers, but, so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to drink a, a local beer that I really like. And um, we've talked about them before on the podcast, but the tap in Haverhill, Mass. They just opened last week for you can go buy beer there. You can't, obviously, they still can't serve you inside, but you can go pick up beer. So I'm drinking Solar Plexus from the tap. It's like my favorite beer from the tap. So it's a nice little return to normalcy and it's delicious beer. So yeah, that's what I'm drinking. Awesome. And I'm drinking water. So, all right. Yes. <laughs> there are uh, so there are a lot of different cop films. You know, we've already talked about one of them being Bad Boys. Um, but the Rush Hour films put a special place in my heart. So I saw all these movies in theaters with one of my oldest friends, Lewis, and we were obsessed with them to the point where we even learned the handshake from the sequel, and did it all the time. He's a lot cooler than. Probably keep lot, that to yourself. <laughs> I was gonna say he's a lot cooler than I was, so people let us slide because I think he was doing it. <laughs> so all right. he was a lot cooler than I was. Um, but it's been playing a lot on TBS lately, as we just talked about, and it's always something I'll end up keeping on if I see it on TV. Uh, and this goes for any of, the, any of the movies in the series one, two, or three. Despite three getting you know a lot of hate, I enjoy them. Um, but I figured it'd be kind of kind of fun to revisit these from start to finish and talk about it. Uh, and it's just like it's. Again, it's like I said with Eric, it was all on again on TBS this week. So I ended up getting a nice refresher with all of them. So I, ha- I kind of know where my rating would be for each one of them. Um, but yeah, again, it came out in the stats, came out in the ni- uh, 98, September 18th. And it had a budget between 33 and 35 million and made 244.4 million in the box office. It's a good day. A really good day. That's why they made <laughs> two more singles. And like the singles are actually like, one and two are pretty close to each other, but three was a good hiatus between the, the you know between two and when the release. Yeah, came it was out. a while. So I think it was two thousand one, two thousand seven, I believe. That sounds right. Can't remember, but yeah, yeah. It was a, um, and now there's rumors of before. Jackie Chan I, and Chris Tucker keep on keep teasing it on like Instagram and Twitter, social media and whatever. So, I uh, I remember really, I I remember really liking this movie. I was thirteen when this movie came out, so this is kind of 
right when I could first start going to PG-13 movies by myself. And I remember seeing this movie in theaters, really liking it. One thing that we will, it may come up uh, later on that I, I said to Joe before we started recording is I did kind of, I've seen one and two both a decent amount of times. I haven't, I don't think I've seen three. If, if, if I have, I don't think I've seen the whole thing, but um, I've, I kind of lumped one and two into one movie together. So there were certain scenes that I was expecting to see rewatching this that I didn't see. And then afterwards I was like, Oh, that's in rush hour two. I'm an idiot. So, but um, yeah, I remember, remember really liking it. So um, financially did really well. Did it really was, well. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, and um, like I see, like you said, it made 244 million in the box office. Um, it was written by Ross Lamana and Jim Koof, if I'm pronouncing that right. While the following two installments, Rush Hour 2 and 3, were written by Jeff Nathanson. So he took the realm after these two. And it was directed by Brett Ratner. And that's, that's financially. Uh, critically, it's a 60% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 7 out of 10 on IMDb, which to me is actually surprisingly high. That's not a knock on, on the movie, but for a, a kind of a stupid action comedy with Jackie Chan and, and Chris Tucker, that's, that's pretty pretty high and then the rotten tomatoes <clears throat> to tie into that just a fun fact about that this film so rush hour actually inspired the creation of what rotten tomatoes so if you're into movies and you're into researching movies you're fan of rotten tomatoes and site founder you know don't kill me i'm definitely pronouncing this name wrong uh site founder sen duong is a big jackie chan fan and built the website to collect reviews for all of chan's Hong Kong movies as they were being released in the United States. He coded the site in two weeks, putting it up shortly before the release of this film. So he's a lot smarter than me. That's the short way of saying that. Rod Tomatoes is now one of those notable sources for movie reviews, and it's Tomometer, Tomato Meter, however you want to say it. Yeah, rating is used to judge a film's success, blah, blah, blah. So yeah, it's pretty, I, I didn't know that. And so that's a cool, fun fact. Uh, it's a cool concept. I'm pretty sure, like, I don't know if that started, but, like, you look at all these other <laughs> aggravated scores now, where it's, like, you see, like, Metacritic and, like, all these other school, all these other sites now do the same thing. And, like, I don't know if... Rotten I feel like, was the, one of the earliest ones that did that when they took all the scores and combined them as one. It's just a weird thing that if, like, if you look for... If you Google any movie, the two things that pop up are it's IMDb score and it's Rotten Tomato score. And to think that that comes from some guy who was a huge Jackie Chan fan, you know, from Rush Hour 1 is just weird. You'd think it would be either like a, a film executive or, or someone who had like a, I don't know, it just, it's just a funny, weird fact. Thankfully, it was a fresh, thankfully, it's uh, considered fresh, so I didn't like haunt his, uh, give him nightmares after making this website for a Ron film, so. <laughs> yeah, that's true, yeah. So this, this came out in September of 98, um, some other things that were going on in September of 98. What, what was the movie? What, the, what was the last movie we did that was also around this time? Small Soldiers, wasn't it? I think Small yeah, Soldiers. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so because I was looking at what was going on at the time of this, and I was like, this all sounds really familiar. So, um, again, lots of Bill Clinton, Monica Lewinsky stuff that I'm not going to uh, get into because it's just, it's like, it's so boring. Um, Google was founded. In September of '98, so that's a pretty pretty oh, big uh, step. Yeah, I don't think we said that last time. That's cool. No, I know. I, I don't think I did. And this one was huge for me. Um, it was I was in eighth grade in September of '98. Yeah, I was in eighth grade in September of '98, 
And this was my life at this time. Mark McGuire break, uh, broke Roger Maris's 1961 home run record by hitting his 62nd home run of the year. So a whole McGuire, Sammy Sosa chase. I was always into baseball. Um, but that kind of reinvigorated my love for baseball. Um, I had every like starting lineup like thing for them. And yeah, that was, that was a huge thing. And that saved MLB. A lot of people talk about that. I don't know if we will ever do a movie about the steroid era or something like that, but as much as people knock on McGuire and so, so that really did save baseball and, and kind of get it back. So um, that's the only thing that I wrote down for what was going on in September of 98, because like I said, when we talked about small soldiers, other than that, it was a lot of death and, you know, negative stuff. So, yeah, no, it's cool. Cause I, I remember even watching, like I was, I become more of a baseball fan as I've gotten older, but I've always kind of watched a catch with my father. But I remember that being the big deal. Like, you like the home run chase between Sosa and Maguire. Like, that was exciting. Even if something like that got me on board for, I think, baseball. That was, like, yeah. the starting point. And the thing is, obviously now, looking back on it, they were both taking some extra vegetables. Right. But they were, at the time, at least, I don't know either one of them personally, obviously, but at the time, they both seemed so likable. Um, so that was, that was fun as even though they were, they looked like superheroes, they were kind of behaving like little kids. So it was, uh, it was fun to watch, but, um, you want to give the back of the DVD summary for Rush Hour one? Yes. All right. So one's all talk, the other's all action. Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker mix punches with punchlines and this hilarious action comedy. Cultures clash and tempers flare as these two cops from different worlds quickly discover one thing in common. They can't stand each other. With time running out, they must join forces to catch the criminals if they don't kill each other first. So, so yeah, that's that's a pretty vague, but that that's that's kind of the movie. It's it's right. It, and it is what it is. Like we talked about before, New Line Cinema put this out, including the DVD. So a lot of the, if you look at the other <laughs> old DVD cards back then, they're loaded with uh, details like you know surround sound and all that, and then the bonus features. Like that was a big push in the '90s because DVD was becoming. This is when they were like getting really big. So they yeah. were like they really like take up all the box space with special features and special like specs for the actual disc. So yeah, and I remember when it's like just a side note. Remember when DVDs came out and it was like when HD cable came out and like my dad was like this. My dad went out and bought a DVD player. He probably spent like five hundred dollars on it or something, and he, they would have you believe that. Like I never, growing up watching VHS, I never complained. I was never like, oh, I can't see what's going on. But when DVDs came out, they would have you believe that you were going, it was pretty much like you were going to be in the room with Chris Tucker and Jackie Chan. So an action <laughs> movie like this is is kind of cut out for, for that. So um, speaking of those two, Chris Tucker and Jackie Chan, a little um, idea of what they were doing going into this movie. So Chris Tucker... He had Friday in 95, obviously Smokey, classic. Um, Dead Presidents in 95, Money Talks. And I wrote a note about this. Money Talks is a movie that I have seen multiple times because when I looked at the like the cover, I was like, oh yeah, I've, I've seen that. I couldn't, if you offered me a million dollars to tell you anything about what that movie's about, I would not get the million dollars. I know that he's in it and Charlie Sheen's in it and that's it. I got nothing else. So and then he had Fifth Element and Jackie Brown in 97. This in 98. What's that? I love Fifth Element. Love. Like a deep, deep love. <laughs> that Fifth Element's a 
it's one of those movies that some people love it. It's a it's a weird one. It's it's yeah. you know what I mean. So he had that and Jackie Brown in '97, so that's a good year. Uh, this in '98, and the next Friday in in 2000. So from '95 to 2000, that's a pretty good run. And he has some other stuff after this, but um, after that, but that's probably the peak of his career. That five year stretch, I would say. Uh, and then Jackie Chan. <clears throat> Jackie Chan's filmography is tough because it's. 10 miles long because he had such a long career in, in Asian film leading up to this uh, and a few American movies before 98 like Rumble in the Bronx is probably the most notable one but this is when Jackie Chan burst on the, like truly burst on the American scene um, and one of the facts we have after is, is kind of explains that but this is the first one where I, or at least we think it was the first one where he wasn't dubbed it was just him speaking English with, with no help um so we had this, and after this, he had Shanghai Noon, Rush Hour 2, Shanghai Nights, uh, a few other ones, the Tuxedo, um, et cetera. But this is the kind of the, for someone like myself, like I didn't, I didn't, a lot of people I think after this started going back and watching some of his older movies because of this, because the, the stunts and everything like that are, they're insane. Bree and I were watching this and um, we were like, I, you still can't believe it. I I googled it. He was 44 when he made this, I think, or something like that. And some of the stuff you see him doing, it's it's unbelievable. Like it would be unbelievable if an 18 year old did it. But so that's just to give you an idea of what they were, you know, dealing with heading into this film. Um, yeah, a few fun pa- fun facts: the original casting choices for the roles uh, that ended up being Lee and Carter were Chris Farley and Martin Lawrence. Uh, I'll look him back. Maybe- Looking back at this, looking back at this now, there is no one else, no one else who could have played this role. I feel like Jackie Chan. It would have been a different movie. It would have been a different movie. Martin Lawrence would have been been weird because the bad boys tie is just too. Although he had other movies that were kind of like had that a similar thing, but um, Chris Farley would have been tough. Yeah, I feel like Jackie Chan is like he is the face, like Chris Tucker and him are the face, but Jackie Chan more than anyone else. Right, right. So, and then according to director Brent Radner, uh, this is the one we, we just mentioned this. Uh, this movie is the first movie to release in the U.S. featuring Jackie Chan in an English-speaking role without any kind of dubbing. According to Ratner, before this movie, Chan always had his voice dubbed over in English. So this is a big step for him. Ratner himself was a big fan of Jackie Chan's Hong Kong movies. He felt that the American audiences would not be familiar with the jokes in Jackie's other movies and deliberately reused some of the gags for example, the scene where um, Inspector Lee accidentally grabs uh, Johnson, so that, who's the female like bomb diffuser cop, grabs her chest area is a reference to Jackie Chan's film Mr. Nice Guy, which actually came out just a year before. <clears throat> but Ratner was so confident that, like, like I just like I said earlier, no one saw Jackie Chan's old movies because they were just not as popular. So he was like, "Yeah, reuse it." So. Um, Jackie Chan was almost killed filming the scene where he is uh, almost crushed by two giant metal-like storage containers. They slammed together about a quarter of a second before his head was clear, or after his head was clear. If it was before, he would be dead. So um, Chris Tucker improvised much of his dialogue, which, and it says it said as he normally does in movies, which that's actually pretty impressive. I, I mean, I like I like Chris Tucker, but that's impressive for Chris Tucker. And then also for the director to to trust him to do that because Chris Tucker, as funny as he can be, it's not like he has a 
his resume is not that impressive that you would think that a, a Hollywood director would be like, just do your thing, Chris. You know what I mean? He's not that well known, but uh, Gene, the cab driver, there's a scene in the movie where um, Chris Tucker pulls, or no, yeah, Chris Tucker pulls a gun on Jackie Chan. Jackie Chan takes the gun and put points back Chris Tucker. Then Chris Tucker pulls another gun. And then a cab driver that was driving them, he pulls out a gun. That cab driver is actually Gene LaBelle. He's a famous um, uh, American wrestler, judo player, submission wrestler. So they call him Judo Gene LaBelle. So I was like, when I saw it, I was like, is that Gene LaBelle? And then I looked it up and it actually, it actually is. So that's a cool, a fun fact for me and anyone else who's into submission wrestling or judo or anything like that but that's really cool yeah uh martin lawrence was the original choice for for carter so we talked about that eddie murphy was also offered the role of carter but he turned it down to make holy man dave Chappelle, will smith and tupac were all considered for the role of carter so we'll skip over dave Chappelle and will smith can you imagine this movie if it was tupac it wouldn't be i can't imagine being a comedy anymore (laughs) Yeah, and that had to be early in the production because I think Tupac was killed in 96 because I think I was in 6th or 7th grade. So and he, just a- had, and he just had that movie too. He was in a movie right before this in the 90s, I feel like. That. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, I feel like, you know, they want their producers watch that and like, you know, they want to another gritty. I'm sure like going down that route would have been a grittier film. Right, right. Um, so another example of them stealing something from another movie, Chris Tucker's line, when he gets kicked by one of the, the henchmen where he goes, which one of y'all kick me? That comes from uh, Seven Samurai, a 1954 movie. Uh, that. It's a great movie. I never, yeah. I, never, I never caught on to that, though. Yeah, I have to go back and rewatch it now. Okay, yeah. Uh, the, and then this one I wrote down just for you. I thought you'd like this. The exterior shots of the Chinese consulate is also used as the exterior shots for the original Wayne Manor in Batman 1966. Oh, that's very cool. Very cool. Yeah, I, I have. Uh, I don't know if you have this. I have uh, when the cast went to Hong Kong, which I thought was pretty cool because it's one of like the most iconic scenes in the in the sequel. Like uh, when the cast went to Hong Kong for the premiere of the first Rush Hour, the uh, Tucker and Jackie Chan went to karaoke bar, and Chris Tucker would basically sing and dance to Michael Jackson songs for hours. And this was the inspiration for probably the most iconic scene in Rush Hour too. Without a doubt, that's actually when I was saying earlier that that there were scenes that I was waiting for and then I realized that they were actually in Rush Hour 2 and I kind of just, you know, melted the films together. That's the one, the main one that I was thinking about. Um, and then Chris Tucker actually appeared in Michael Jackson's music video of his song, You Rock My World. And then, he, yeah, he performed that impression in, in the, and he danced like Michael Jackson in the opening scene of the, the of, well, the opening scene of the, of Rush Hour One in America, it starts in Japan, in uh, China, but you know what I mean when he's when he goes after Chris Penn. So, um, so that's it for some some fun facts. Do you have anything? What do you have written down for things that kind of wouldn't fly if the film was made today? It's it's a weird. I, it is, and like it's. <clears throat> I put the dollar between the two of them. Some of them could be kind of like pushing it a little too close if it came out today. Specifically, when they're in the bar, like we talked about earlier when Jackie Chan's walking around the bar saying what's up and like, cause he heard Chris Tucker say it. Right. But he's he on the, he's on, he, right. He's on the stand yet. Cause he's, he was supposed to follow Chris Tucker's lead. Right. So he goes into there. He says, <clears throat> oh, Rachel, he says something, you know, that's racist. And that causes a big stir. That would, that would not have been, I don't think called for Like you wouldn't see that today at all. Yeah. I, I, I agree with that. Um, but I thought 
I thought that there'd be a lot more that I would would have had a problem with. Um, obviously, some of the Asian jokes people would be weird about, but it, it's. I think that this movie would be made today with little or no changes because it's it goes both ways. There, it's not picking on one or and it's. I don't know. They pull it off. It's 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 tough to do, but they pull it off. Right, I agree. I, the fact that going back and forth between the two of them, I think, makes it a little easier for sure. And I think right. two and three have the more. This one is more tame. I thought, like you said, going into this, I thought it was gonna be. I remember it being a lot more offensive too. But I think two and three kind of pushed that a little bit more with like the jokes, the wisecracking jokes between two of them. This one's not as bad. Right. Right. So, um, favorite scene for this movie? What do you What do you have written down? All right. So I have two. <clears throat> Uh, first one's pretty brief, pretty brief. I love when they're finding some of the bond over the song War and teaching each other like dance moves and it turns into a quick defense course in the middle of it. Yeah. I, I thought that's pretty good. Um, and this is something that usually I wouldn't consider good, but for this film, I love the build up to the action sequences because there aren't that many of them. There's a real short chase sequence about four or five minutes in the film. Then there's another short fight at the restaurant and then the end. So most of the film is just like the two characters bonding and they're so good together. But with all the praising of the lack of relying on action, I think the last fight sequence is awesome because, again, we talked about Jackie Chan. Watch, knowing he does his own stunts in that, se- in that scene is so good. Yes. He's coming to tower, going between like these little, like little, you know, these little uh, spots he can barely fit in. He's coming on the edge of the railing, pretty high up, might I add. Yeah. And he's just, like, it's just so incredible. It's insane watching him do that. And like, and again, the fighting the whole like last five minutes is it has action and also has like a bunch of comedy spread throughout so it's like it's a it's an awesome balance yeah i i i have one scene written down but it's um but i to echo what you said that i made a note about just if you if you haven't seen this movie in a long time especially if you were like someone like myself for the last time i saw this movie i was probably you know 16 17 years old and now i'm 35 ish go back and rewatch it now and think of the fact that that's a 40 something year old guy doing what jackie chan does not just the fighting stuff i think people like myself i remember jackie chan doing you know you you think of like the kicks and the punches and all that stuff forget about the fighting stuff just the jumping over stuff and jumping through stuff and it climbing up it's unbelievable that someone at any age let alone his 40s does that stuff so i wanted to make a note to go ahead no, I just want to add one more detail too. So another small, a real small thing, but I love how. Uh, well, I'm a sucker for romance films, like you know, like I love romance in movies, uh, but I hate it when it's forced or done poorly. And I love how they didn't develop a relationship between Carter and Johnson, like they kind of hinted at. It never went beyond that, and I really right. appreciate that. Right. So my actual, I agree with that. Um, I actually, well, I didn't write that down for something I would change, but yeah, no, it's a good point. Um, my actual favorite scene was a fight scene. It was kind of that, it was part of that, the, the final, you know, confrontation, uh, it, whatever that, whatever that building was, the exhibition center or whatever with the art stuff. And it's not a heartwarming or an important scene, but I like the scene where Jackie Chan's fighting like two or three or four guys. And he's like fighting a guy trying to save this like giant piece of pottery, this, you know, part of the history of Asia. And, then he like holds it up, gets punched in the face a million times, deals with one guy, puts it back up. And I, I just thought that kind of 
represents the film very well. It's it's like, and then he, you know, spoiler alert, he goes through all that work and then he takes two steps forward and some gun shoots it and blows it into a million pieces. And that scene kind of sums up the whole movie pretty well as far as, you know, action comedy, action comedy. So Right, it's so funny how Jackie Chan's character in the movie, I, I, <laughs> I feel like this is him in real life too because he's so like, he's so for his, well, pro or con, however you want to look at it, he's very much like for China. Yeah, with the government, but I love how like it really does separate the characters. Like Chris Tucker would not give a second thought about letting something like that fall if it was even a. Chris Tucker doesn't right? care about anyone other than himself. <laughs> right. Meanwhile, Jackie Chan's character is trying to preserve Chinese history, and he's going like, to get shot. To, right. Yeah. He's, he's getting punched in the face and just holding up that giant potter piece of pottery. So while getting punched in the face, is, <laughs> that seems so right. good. Right. Yeah. What? No, that that was good. Go ahead. Well, no, I was say watching run around the explosive vest too, getting shot at, just holding up a vest, running around like the whole sequence is just the whole last scene is yeah. so fun. No, it is. It's good. Um, do you have anything? I have, I have uh, two comments on the soundtrack. Do you have anything? Um, this is just the fact that uh, Lalo Schifrin scored the movie. He scored all the movies actually, and he's just known for creating the Mission Impossible theme. And he did a uh, a bunch of Clint Eastwood films, including all the Dirty Harry movies. But this movie is definitely more on, his, on the tame side, I feel like, for his work. It's really good when it has to be. Again, I kind of talked about in the past with, like, <laughs> other scores. When action is happening, it ramps up. And he, one thing he does well, though, is depending on, like, the cultural setting, I feel like he does get the musical score right for wherever they are, whether it's in America or China. I think he does really well on that end. Well, that's one of the notes I, I wrote down. I don't know if it's like doing well or whatever, but the opening scene where they're in China and, and Jackie Chan's on the, on the boat or whatever it was, and he's trying to like he's trying to you know do his job in China. The music playing in that the only thing I could think of watching it was it sounded like the music that would be if you were playing like Street Fighter or Mortal Kombat before the fight starts. It sounds like that music would play, and then it'd be like ready fight. That was the only thing. And then the other note I wrote back was there was, I wrote down was there was a lot of, um, Chris Tucker was playing a lot of uh, very my era mainstream hip hop in his, in his car. So I like that. But oh, yeah. That, when it comes to actual lyrical stuff, Beach Boys, from the Beach Boys play, I love I'm like, one of my Oh, favorite, yeah. I forgot about that. One of my favorite bands. I've seen like three times live. Like hearing them play, I'm like, man, like. That was like <laughs> you and I driving around. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. All right. So. If before we get into to rating this one, if you could change one thing, <clears throat> so kind of two ideas on this. Going back to what I mentioned about the thing I liked about this movie, but the love interest, I kind of wish I had more Johnson there because she was an awesome character. And if there was more Johnson, then I would be okay with uh, something you know maybe happening. But she was such a good character to me. Not have enough scenes on, and I know it's like the movie's pretty much focused on Tucker and. Uh, Jackie Chan's character, um, but she was she was the scenes she had. She sold a few scenes that she was in, but the last fight sequence. Now, again, I watched Rush Hour one, two, and three back to back to back, and three has by far the best ending sequence. It actually it's like it's redeeming seeing him fight one on one with enemy that's pretty much up to his standards when it comes to fighting in martial arts. Yeah, I kind of wish <clears throat> we didn't see the enemy the entire time running away. I wish it was like an enemy who could defend like himself a, a little bit. Right. Like, and Tomokas is an awesome actor, but like in this sequence, like Jackie Chan, knowing how good he is with martial arts, I kind of wish it was someone who can kind of go head to head with him for a little while. And like, you know, like a nice martial arts scene because Jackie Chan, again, we talked about how he was big in China with like his martial arts films, bring it to America. It'd be kind of cool to see 
that uh, especially no, yeah, no, especially yeah, especially where uh, Brett Ratner is like supposedly like such a huge fan, you would have thought that he would want to showcase right Jack Jack Chan's real strength. Yeah, yeah. No, that's like that's my biggest complaint. Is we we get to see that we see it in the next films, but seeing what it could have been with this, it just would have been so. It would have, this would have been leagues above the others, in my opinion, if they had a better fight in the end. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, the the Johnson thing you said. I see what you're saying. I probably could have done without Johnson. I didn't like, but I agree with what you're saying in that either give her more or give her less, either cut the character or, or give her, give us more of a story. Cause with the amount that they gave, I was just like, it was just random. It was, um, but the thing that I would change, Oh, go ahead. No, like you just like you said, she was only device for the bomb sequence at the end. Like I feel like, and like they kind of use her character only for that one scene, which sucks. But right, right. So the thing that I would change is this rewatching this movie. The the problem that I had with it, and we'll get into that in a minute, is this movie was very strongly influenced by a couple movies. I mentioned Bad Boys earlier, but the big one is Beverly Hills Cop, which is more than one of my is one of my favorite movies of all time. And I don't, I didn't remember it being that strongly influenced. So I would try to lean them more towards being influenced by Beverly Hills Cop, Bad Boys, etc., than copying them. Some of the, some of the scenes, like the first scene with, with Chris Penn were almost identical to scenes from, in that case, Beverly Hills Cop. And if I'm being honest, opening the film, or at least the, part of it that's in america like i said they they had their own little the side story of in asia but opening the film with that kind of put me in a grumpy mood because i'm like i'm such a beverly hills cop super fan and that i was like all right there's nothing wrong with being influenced by beverly hills cop it's 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 it almost launched the genre of you know action comedy entirely at least the modern action comedy but that some of the stuff was a little too taken right from it. So that would be um, what I would change as far as the rating. So if you, if you haven't, if you haven't heard the rating system before we grade everything on a scale of one to five, whether or not it would pay a late fee to, if for this movie. So if it's a one, you'd rent the movie, get half hour into it, 20 minutes into it, return it that night. You don't even need to see it. If you're willing to keep it an extra day, two or three, maybe even buy it from uh, buy it from the rental store. It's a five. So I'm going to do a weird thing. I've been, I'm going to start. Well, I'm going to ask you, Joe, the, without giving my score, the problem I had deciding my score was, should I, should I pay attention? You know what I'm just going to do? My, my, my score for this movie is a 2.75. Jeez. <laughs> well, no, but let me explain it. The, a few things factored in for this. One was to make the Instagram highlights the other day. I was going back and re-listening to all the scores we've, we've given out to other movies. And this movie is such a huge ripoff of Beverly Hills Cop and Bad Boys that I enjoy it, but it's nowhere. it's not as good as those films. And I gave Bad Boys 1 a 3. And it's not as good as Bad Boys 1, but I like it. So 
I had to bust out the 0.75, which I try not to do. But my the predicament that I was in was what so two things factored in. Bad Boys one, I probably if I could go back, I would probably give that like a three and a half, which I think is what you gave it. Or I would go back and give, and this isn't I'm not this is an unintended shot. I would give Goofy Movie like a two. Because if I gave Goofy Movie a two, it would make me feel better. But um, so I had to bust out the point seven five, and and then like I said earlier, a lot of the scenes that I remember liking were actually from Bad uh, Rush Hour two. But I really did enjoy this movie. It's just that Bad Boys and but Beverly Hills Cop mostly are just too good. That's I mean no, that's, that's that's a fair point. Like you said, I've been going into the reviews now like. It's so hard keeping track of what we've given past movies. So it's like, I don't want it. before I even before you go. I recommend not doing it. No, like, it, that's the thing. Like, <laughs> try because I know it's just gonna mess up all my future scores as well. And like I know it's like it's it will. And like we're going over so many movies, and like it's never gonna be feasible on a five score on a five point basis. So it's like I'm pretty much going into each one, each one, each movie now, unless it's part of a series, like unless it's like multiple ones in uh in like the franchise. I'm going into each one now almost on its own merit at this point. It's like you should. Yeah. And, and that, like I said, I wouldn't have done it if I didn't just happen to sit down and read or re-listen to some episodes and write down what we scored everything. It totally messed up my head. Cause like I said, I enjoy this movie. I, and from now on, I'm going to try to do it as like, it's a scale of one to five. If the movie is enjoyable, I'm just going to give it enjoyable, but not great. I'm going to give it a three. It just messed me up that I gave bad boys a three and they're kind of the same genre but sorry i cut you off your score sorry no, no like and that's like going back like you said i would probably change a few of my scores as well but it's like from here on out donut's gonna review each movie like on its own separate thing and like it's just if, for this one specifically like i actually like this movie i like this movie more than but bad boys i i think bad boys is it's an awesome i think it's obviously more heavy like focusing the action than it is comedy but i feel like it's just really long and like i think that's i think that's why i like this movie so much because it's like a it's a shorter, yeah, it flows it a little perfect, better. Yeah. Um, but no, I love, I love, again, we talked about, I, I love Tucker and Jackie Chan. Those two together is just, it is so fun. And these movies, it has like the diehard effect to me where if ever I'm watching TV, I see them, I will stop and watch it because it's an easy time kill. If it all the movies, no matter like whether, which one's the worst, which one's the best, they all flow really well. And I want to go back. I want to go back and watch two and see, I think I like two, uh, oh, but you said you didn't, but I wonder if I like two more than one. No, so here's the thing. So I like, so I'm going to review this movie with the other two movies in the franchise in my mind already. Yep. And I think one is a better movie script wise. I think two is my personal favorite out of the three of them, but I don't think it's the best one. It's the one I have most nostalgia with. It's the one I have, like you said, I remember most of the scenes from two more than, more than any of the others. And I like the fact how they're already established as characters. But the buildup for this one to get to that point is done so well. Right. They, it doesn't feel too rushed. It doesn't feel, it just, it feels just right. And with the other, like I said, the other two scores in my mind already, I would give this one a four. Okay. With, well, we're probably not going to review the other ones at this point in time soon. So I would give two a 3.5 and three, a three. Okay. So four, 3.5 and three. Yeah. So we'll have to, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's just tough. Like I said, I'm going to try to not 
pay attention to scores that I've given out in the past going forward. It's it's because like you said, it's impossible. It's there's too many movies and you can't compare unless they're in the same franchise. It's tough. So, but I know it sounds negative, but I really, I, I enjoyed watching this movie. It wasn't as good as I remembered it, but I enjoyed watching it. And it was, it's, it it's, was the, it's the, it's the one liner. It's the ones that like, I still like, I still laugh. So I'm like, Oh, we were talking about before. Like the, just a small scene, like when he's giving Jackie Chan his ID and it's clearly a black man with a giant afro and Jackie Chan's response is I'm not six one. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like like just jokes like that and it's just I got it, more I got more the thing that I found more entertaining that I didn't remember. Well like I remembered, but the 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 fight scenes were, were great. Um and I'm not usually I don't usually care about stuff like that, but they were very entertaining. It's I we I do it to call it too. It's uh, in the beginning when they're still like before like, all the action starting. There's a guy selling maps. Kind of talk about. It's kind of funny seeing John Hawks, who's been in, like since then. He's been in Deadwood. He's found down. He's the guy who has like a brief two minute appearance. Oh, I can't remember what movie it was. <clears throat> I was trying to pick out my next movie, and um, one of the ones I was looking at. I'll figure it out later. But it was one of those movies where everyone in it is oh i remember where it is now to i'll tell you later but everyone in it is like an actor now but they're all like small small roles and it's stuff stuff like that's always fun so um closing out as far as the beer beer is amazing i've had this a million times it's what i got pretty much i think every time joe and i went to the tap to talk about movies from the first time i had solar plexus i think i got solar plexus every time so can't wait for local businesses like the tap to be able to be up and running full speed whenever that whenever that is uh, as long as it's safe um but until then i'm going to keep buying the beer from them and drinking it at home so um that was great follow us on instagram suggestions are always welcome um we'll be back in a few days recording another episode which will be my pick unless you cut in line and send us a recommendation or a suggestion and then it'll be your pick so if it is my pick, I'm kind of trying to bounce back and forth between 80s, 90s, 80s, 90s. The last movie I picked was a 90s movie, so I'm going 80s this time. Um, it's it's the directorial debut of the king of 80s movies and one of the most important, influential, and impressive directors of any decade, any genre, in my opinion, John Hughes. Not my favorite John Hughes movie, but a great one in his directorial debut, like I said, um, in his debut on the podcast, uh, I believe, right? Yes. So we, yep. Yeah, sixteen candles. So, with with that pause you had, with that pause you had there, I thought you were gonna surprise me, like throw a curveball and just be like, nope. "We're gonna walk." Yeah, how's that? Watching Home Alone. <laughs> I mean, I'd be no. on board with that too. So. No, I know. No, I, <laughs> no. But I really think we could talk about it more in the podcast. But um, I was listening to something on another John Hughes film. I don't remember which one it was, but. I think that John Hughes gets credit for being the like the eighties guy and, and, and in a good way, like doing it really well. I think John Hughes should be up there with the greats period. He and we'll talk we'll talk more about it uh in in the next episode, which is going to be Sixteen Candles and other John Hughes movies that we're undoubtedly going to do because I, I worship him. Most definitely. Um, yeah. So that's that's going to be the next one, uh, guys. Thank you very much for listening to Rush Hour, and 
we'll be back in a few days. And uh, like I said, feel free to cut us a line and, or cut me in line and send a suggestion for another film and we'll, we'll put it to the front of the list. All right, guys. Thank you.